and welcome to another episode of our Flamenco Attitude podcast. This is the podcast that, as you know by now, if you listen to us regularly, that brings you all things flamenco. We talk about not only the song, the dance, and how people dress and play the guitar, but also the culture in general, all facets, all depths of it. So if you are new, welcome. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you listened to the previous ones for more context. If you are regular, we really appreciate your time and listening to us. And uh, before we start, I would like to say a big thank you to our listeners literally all across the world at this point we have listeners now um, not only in Europe which is all across Spain France England Netherlands we recently had listeners in Denmark too but we're now listened to in Australia the United States Mexico and I believe our latest uh, listeners come from Colombia so thank you so so much we really really appreciate the support now, this episode will be dedicated to English writers writing about their life or adventures or visits to Andalusia. We're going to cover uh, writers who have written books, novels on the, on the subject and also poetry, all about uh, different places in Andalusia that they have visited, that they have had different encounters with the locals uh, and actually they loved it. So we're going to uh, cover their adventures there. So without further ado, I'm going to start talking to my uh, colleague, friend, and a former teacher, Marcus, who is an expert on the flamenco uh, culture because he's a guitarist and he has been in Andalusia. He's traveled all his life and he's met all sorts of people. He is very well familiar with flamenco. Without further ado, let's get into it. Well, shall we start with the greatest book written in English? We will, but I want to pre-start with something else, <laughs> because that's a question that I, when we decided we're going to do English authors on yeah. flamenco, yeah. that's a question that popped into my head. The only author that I'm familiar with, that I have actually read his book, um, is Gerald Brennan, South of Granada. Yeah. That is the only book from an English author written about Andalusia that I have read. And my question to you would be, why do you think the English people, especially back in the day, were interested in living in, or at least going to Andalusia and writing about it? Because let's not forget that England and Spain back in the day were, the, the lifestyle was really different. So why would an English person leave their comforts in England, go to a, a very different, culturally very different place? Well, it starts really with the, the 19th century travellers. Yeah. In the 19th century, even the Prime Minister of England, Disraeli, mm. goes to Andalusia. He goes to, he even sees what we call in flamenco the café cantantes, when mm. flamenco had moved into the cafés to, to play, yeah? And he mentions this. It's, it's called the Romantic Period, yeah. Byron, and all of this. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. This is a theory I have. This is when... Oh, yeah, don't, don't be too scientific about yeah. it. Give me your yeah. So some big names go to Andalusia. Yeah. Byron, Disraeli, etc., etc. And I think this puts in the mind of the, the person you mentioned, Gerald Brennan. Yeah. Oh, you know, if I get, if I get some, some money together, I, I, I'm going to go and live there. It's, it's an incredible place. I'm going to live in a small village in Granada. Yeah? Yeah. Thinking all is well, you know, all is perfect. And he gets, I think, um, 
whatever. But of course, he doesn't talk about flamenco. No, 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 no. no. But I'm ju I'm, I just yeah. gave an example of yeah. somebody whose book I've read, yeah. uh, who's been to a village in Andalusia. Sorry, yeah. the name escapes me at the moment of the village. But yeah. it's it's a bit of a cultural shock. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I was just trying to understand why. Yeah. Yes, probably, probably. I mean, I don't want to be misquoting, yeah. but that was just my impression that there is sort of a, a not a trend, but... Hmm. People want to go there. People yeah. develop this curiosity about it, and I was just not sure why that is. I think it becomes a, the South becomes a very fascinating thing for people yeah. because it's very different uh, culturally. It's very rich because of its past, and the food is very good. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and uh, it's things like that, uh, which I suppose in the end. Can we talk about? Can we talk about Gerald, or, okay, or you okay. want to? I leave it to you because you want to. No, yeah. Well, we're we're going to talk about it because you're itching to tell me about this. Is actually a very interesting one. Yeah, you tell me that this is the greatest English book written about flamenco. Yeah, uh, somebody who uh, visited Oxford, where we're based. Yeah, uh, and that you know, you knew personally, and very interesting because you're gonna tell me something that people would find very interesting connected to the royals as well. But why is uh, The Flamencos of Cadiz by Gerald Howson yeah. the greatest English book about flamenco? Well, let, let, let's look at the title first of all, yeah. because we tried to explain to people that flamenco is not the music, it's no, the people. No, it's the people. And you told me that flamenco back in the day wasn't a very good term to use, but this yeah. is how he chose to name he, his book. He chose book. the book, yeah. yeah. And so he's saying The Flamencos of Cadiz Bay, what a wonderful title! Because yeah. he's going to he's going to tell you in this beautiful Explore book the people, the people yes. that do it. Yes. Um, now, how did he even get there? He, <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> on a donkey back. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, what made him do it? He he was on a ship passing somewhere like Marruecos, Morocco, or something like I don't know, you know. And he he heard coming across on on a radio waves flamenco. Yeah, and he decided then that he was going to explore what these this was. People. These people, yeah. So he went there, and you've got to realize that in this time, Cadiz was was quite poor, very difficult life, and he he gets involved with one of the greatest singers, Aurelio Sayé, and he writes. I mean, actually, he goes out to teach English, and I think the way I can't remember exactly how the book goes, but I think he ends up in the wrong part of Spain for flamenco, now, and he wants a transfer to Andalusia. Exactly, it was yeah. that tricky to end yeah. up on the wrong part of Spain, especially back in those it, days. It was, and it, and it was. Was it dangerous? Oh yeah, of course. And also, he he thought, hang on, I'm not in the right area for yeah. what I thought, you know. So I've got to get transferred to something else, and he gets a move to, to to Cadiz. But what I think one of the great stories in the book is um, he he decides to take some flamenco guitar lessons, you see, yeah. and he goes to, to this guitarist's house and the guitarist said, oh, yeah, what, what do you know? So he starts playing stuff. Oh, yeah, show me this again, show me this again. And then at the end of it, he pays the money and then he thinks... But I haven't actually learned anything. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm just laughs> and the man says to him, come back tomorrow. <laughs> for more, more, for more. quote-unquote lessons. <laughs> so he sort of thought, this lessons is going in a very strange way. So you know? hang on a minute. 
so Gerald Howson speaks Castellano then? Yes, he could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, was a, he was a very intelligent man. Um, yeah. uh, I knew him very well. He'd written on many subjects other than, yeah. than flamenco, but th this book, when it came out in, in the 60s, was an absolute triumph. You know, he was on television, mm. um, and it's based on... It'll give you an accurate picture of what life was like um, in Cadiz in the 1950s, mm. uh, particularly for the flamenco people. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, for instance, if the flamenco people haven't got any work, um, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll go and buy a big cigar. Well, how's that going to help us? Well, what we do is we will parade up and down, yeah. and it will look like we're quite wealthy, important, important. Yeah. and then somebody will say, oh, are you available to come and do a concert? It's, it's this kind of... And they say, how are we going to afford it? Well, if we all put in a few pesetas, we can buy a really big cigar, and one of us can smoke it, and we'll just go up and down the road, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a different life, and there are in, also in this book... Um, some very sad tales yeah. of people. I would urge anyone who who hasn't read this book, who's interested in because you know we in flamenco we love our records, we love our CDs, we love it down, you know all of that stuff. Yeah, okay. But most people like also to look at a book. Yeah. Yeah. Now this sure. book doesn't have any pictures in it at all. It doesn't need it. The pictures are all in the words, and there's it's so beautifully crafted. And it will tell you about Carnaval in Cadiz, about all the different things, about how people got booked guitarists to come and play for them and all, all the rest of it and set up what was going to happen. You know, they spoke to the senoritos to see what they were going to pay and then they worked out who could we get within this price range, yeah. the budget for this, whatever it was. And um, Gerald wrote this book, absolutely fantastic. And... I went on, he used to come and, and watch me play in London, and I'm, so I got, I got to meet him. As I, as I said to you, he, he was, um, wasn't very big fan of the modern flamenco, let's put it in a polite <laughs> way. But, um, and we did a lot of interviews. Um, we discovered many interesting things about what happened to him in these times and what even the money looked like in, 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 in Spain, you know, these minute little notes and buying water and things that you needed this. And it, eventually he he wanted, obviously, to get this um, republished, and through the articles that I wrote, it came to the attention of a publisher in the United States. Yeah. So it is re-available in, in a reprint, which, you know... I, I mean, look, we've got it in front of us, Gally. We do, Does it yes. not look beautiful? So uh, first of all, it's 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 a beautiful dust cover. Uh, yeah. Probably originally. Yeah. Showing sure, already you say yeah, the singer. Yeah. 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 Probably originally actually uh, done especially for the book. Yeah. Yeah. If uh, I'm going to try, uh, can't promise anything, but I'm going to try and see whether it's available on audiobooks to listen to link to our listeners if they would like to give it a try. Yeah. That would be brilliant. That would be that would be great. Yeah, because it's very difficult to get it as you told me. Okay, well I want to, you to give me two polarizing stories then from it. Give me the probably a, a, a very happy one and a very sad tale as you said. Well, there's a very sad tale in it, as I remember, about um, a man who, um, as is the custom, always bought a, a lottery ticket yeah. with the same number. Mm. And one week he tells his wife to get it. And 
she decides it's a waste of money, so she doesn't buy it, yeah. and it comes up. And so he thinks he's won all this money, so he goes to the bar, he buys everybody a drink, and oh, it's not a good thing to say, but you can imagine the next time they see him, you know, he's decided that's the end. And uh, he knew him, obviously, Gerald mm. knew him. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the good things are about the um, the carnival, when he... Yeah, the carnival <laughs> would be interesting, because I, I think, especially in our part of the world, we have... We kind of get the word carnival we wrong. Just, just, just to put it, just uh, from the very little I know, carne yeah. carnival comes from Latin carnevale, which means yeah. goodbye to the meat. Yeah, that's and right. It and it starts, can only be in, starts uh, before the Lent. Exactly. So it's got to be in February, whereas um, we've got carnivals going on uh, in other places in summer. And, you, and I've <laughs> yes. always said that can't be a carnival. So a big thing in the book is the build-up to this, because you you know. Uh, Galia, you've been to Cadiz. Cadiz is the home of Carnaval because it, it, it tried to rival Venice in having a better carnival than they had. Mm. This is the history of it. When Cadiz was a massive trading port, so they wanted to have... So in the time of when he wrote this book, the coming of Carnaval in February or early March would be the real time for the flamenco people to, to sort of, you know... And get some work, and that's what they're interested in. Mm. Get, actually, to because the people are feeling like, oh, it's Carnival. We'll book some flamenco people and and have some action. Yeah, yeah. And and of course, Carnival in Cadiz, uh, it's watched by everybody across Spain and the wider Hispanic world because it's seen as the. It's it's all about. Uh, you've got a number of things happening. You've got humour. Uh, you know, it, there's so many different bits, aspects to it, which is hard to explain if nobody's ever been to it. It's, it's quite mm. something. You know. Well, I've only been in it once, and I, I recorded a programme, and uh, it was incredible because you've got people that are called uh, illegalis. You've got illegalis, <laughs> illegalis. So what it means is that there are people that do Carnival officially in, in the theatre. There are people that do it officially on the street with a license yeah. then there's another people that do it on the street that do not have the license right yeah and I then their, the their lyrics are really yeah i yeah. suppose the chaos is so big that yeah. you can't even figure out who's no. who. but anyway okay well actually you told me that one of the players the guitar players got picked up by the queen uh, we're talking the current Queen Elizabeth yeah. uh, got picked up by her and invited to her coronation. Yeah, I mean, it's a, I'm not sure which guitar player he took, but we're talking about Aurelio Seye. And was it, was this thanks to the book? No. Mm. No, no. Uh, Aurelio was famous well before the book was written. Right. Uh, he's like a, a major play, uh, singer of Cadiz. And yes, you're right. Incredibly... He was invited to perform at the coronation of Queen Elizabeth II of England. Yeah. Which is a, a, a strange sort of thing because we already know that in the 30s, Ramon Montoya had also come to, to perform for, yeah. for, for the English royalty. So uh, clearly they like their flamenco. That's all we'll have to say about <laughs> it. <laughs> and, and that was so, so to, to, to wrap up with uh, this book, Flamencos of Cadiz Bay. Um, what 
sort of a book should people expect when they pick it up? It's not a novel, it's a more traveler's tale, would you say? Um, Pictures of different stories. Daily life in Cadiz. Yeah, a chronicle. Yeah, if you want to know what was happening in Cadiz in the 1950s That's the and, and 60s, it will give you a very graphic account of the, the difficult life that the people had. Yeah. And people, as I said to you, people's images that Andalusia is very hot and all the thing, but you'll, you'll realise that in the winter, uh, in, in a place like Cadiz mm. that's on the Atlantic, it, it can be extremely cold. So yeah. it's, it's not this wonderful... Tourist hot, sort of Yes, place. it can be very difficult. So I would advise anybody that's into flamenco to buy that book. Grand. OK, well, that's Flamenco's of Cadiz Bay by Gerald Housen. You are already <laughs> turning the pages of... Uh, Laurie Lee's A Rose for Winter. Now, A Rose for Winter is very different because it's a poetry book. Tell me about it. Well, well uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a novel as well, in a way, but he mm. writes in a more poetic style. Right. Um, you probably know Laurie Lee uh, from uh, Cider for Rosie and all yeah, like that, but yeah. um, Laurie Lee spent a lot of time in Andalusia, and if you look at the back of this book, it says, Andalusia is a passion. Fifteen years after his last visit, Laurie Lee returns. Yeah. Yeah. He finds the country broken by the civil war. The totems of indestructible Spain survive. The virgin in agony. The thrilling flamenco wail. The pride in poverty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Laurie Lee wrote a number of books based on Andalusia. This is my favourite because, as you can see, it's a beautiful. It's a very small, thin, thin, thin very book. Thin book yeah. yeah, but probably the, so one of those thin books that are very difficult. Yeah. that will take you a lot of time. To now it is said, of course, that he left uh, England and walked all the way to Andalusia originally. Walked. Because you know his book. As I walked out one <laughs> summer's night, but you know I'm I'm not going to. It, it's a uh, it's a fair way. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> um, I wouldn't. Do it. But shall I give you a little taste yes. of this? Yeah. A company of singers and dancers had come to the theatre by the ball ring. They were heading for North Africa, but paused here for a night to earn their passage money. The troupe was led by Caracol and his lustrous daughter, Luisa Ortega. And all through the show that was not to begin till midnight, we drank black coffee and went to see it. The theatre was uncomfortable and shabby. Rows of hard chairs, a urine-scented bar, a floor littered with unswept popcorn shells and a bareboard stage curtained with orange paper. But nobody cared much about the setting. A show of this nature enjoyed an immediate acceptance by the audience and the company itself was well aware of this and showed a superb confidence in the consequence. Mm. Now, how's, quite a picture. How about that? Yeah, that's quite... You're there, aren't you? You are. You are. Yeah? You're so there. You, all the five senses are engaged. Yeah. That's what a good author does, yeah. when all the five senses yeah. are engaged. So who is he, why did he choose to do it? Well, Why did he choose to go? I'm interested, because obviously he probably... Poverty, I think, probably in England, you know, mm. and just decided to um, travel to, to Spain. Because it, it, the logical thing is to be the opposite. If you have money, then you travel. Yeah, but, yeah, but if, you, if you're able to walk all the way... To Andalusia, yeah, then it's, it's fairly cheap, you know, and you get some help on the way. So the the mood of this book is more. It's not like the flamencos of Cadiz Bay. It's no. different. It's very different. It's about him 
it's a return journey. Yeah. And him moving to different parts of Andalusia to reflect on how it's changed since he was first there. And was it, was it the dramatic change for him? I think he does notice a lot of changes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's a, it's a very different book to what he wrote before. And I think what I like about it, in a way, is it's got a lot more uh, references to the flamenco artists. So, Does you, he? You, so, you, who, so, as so, I said, Caracol. Caracol, <laughs> yeah. Which, side note, I learned after our conversation yeah. that Caracol means a snail. Yeah. And sometimes Caracols are put in paes. But, of course, it also means a number one artist, yeah. Manolo Caracol. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. Whose daughter, we've just mentioned, was about to come out. Yeah. yeah. So who are the uh, flamenco artists in there, apart from Caracol? Oh, you, you put me on the spot there. Um, that I, I couldn't say off the top of my head. There, many of the people that were big at that time. Yeah. You know, obviously the family of Ortega and, and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 So if you want to know about, you know, yeah. if you want to read a little bit about mm. them, their actual accounts of people yeah. there. Also, I think this will give you another account of the south of Andalusia. Mm. Yeah. Algeciras. And all of that, what it was like, because yeah. he travels down. I mean, I, I look at the chapters here. I think he he travels down through uh, all the various places. Yeah, look, you see, if you see, so he so he starts to... there, and then he goes to Sevilla, then Ecija, right, then Granada, yeah, yeah. It's a and nice then, book, isn't it? Well, why, I, I've got a feeling you're after this book, Kelly. But you, you, I've been eyeing it for a while. <laughs> why is it called A Rose for Winter? Because uh, Flamenco Safkari's Bay is quite straightforward. Yeah, you you're always asking about... me difficult questions. Yes, that's what I want to know. Because when you pick up Flamenco Safkari's Bay, you know what you're in for. You're going to learn about the people who yeah, live yeah. in Cadiz. Why is it A Rose for Winter, a, a book about... Probably because you can get a rose in winter in Andalusia. I, but I don't know the answer to that question. Well, probably because that's a more poetic book. That's yeah. probably why. Yeah, it's a very different book, as you say. It's it's poetry. It's sort of poetry, but in literature. Yeah. You saw, you saw from the way I just read out that bit. Yeah. It's written in a very different it's, style. It's very, Whereas Gerald's style would be very straightforward as to what was happening to one man when he woke up in the morning and all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. And he won't be describing a bar where these people performed in such a poetic way. Yeah. But hang on a minute. If, if a rose for winter is so great, why yeah. do you say that Flamenco's of Cadiz Bay is the greatest book about flamenco written? Well, because it is full-on, yeah. to use the model, full-on flamenco. A role. Yeah. yeah. And it describes an experience of somebody who's just gone to investigate the whole thing and becomes so immersed in it mm. that it becomes his life, that he starts living there and he becomes friends with the greatest artists. Whereas the Laurie Lee book is wonderful but it's more of a traveller's thing where he's going back to... He doesn't really intimately know the artists, yeah? Mm. Whereas Gerald knows the people the people because he's living with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the big difference between those two well, books. Yeah, so we have uh, <coughs> one travel one return yeah and now you're going to talk to me about i found this the most interesting actually <laughs> george borrow oh god where do you start exactly well i suppose you start with him being born in 1803 in norfolk this man i mean he's given me so much pleasure because he's given us an insight into 19th century 
Sevilla, Triana, all of these places. Yeah. yeah. And if you think about it, he he gets a job with the Bible Society of London, whatever it's called. Right? Um, and he, he writes a book, actually, I think it's 1843, The Bible in Spain. But anyway, th this company in London yeah. sends him off. Now, imagine this man is capable of speaking Calo, the gypsy language, just agree any language you like. It's, it's, it's amazing, mm -hmm. he can do anything. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So they say, right, you know, here's some Bibles, you've got to go and sell them. In English? Yeah. Oh, my God. I think, so, so, so he, get, he, get, he gets there, and one of the great stories is, I think it's in, in a bookshop in Madrid. Mm. So he's getting hassled that he hasn't sold any. And so most because of, probably because they're in English and nobody speaks it. Well, I mean, I'm not positive they were in English, but I, that I don't know, but I would presume they were. And then he said, so he, just, he goes to this shop in, in, in Madrid, because he's been told off by... His company, that you know, and so you haven't sold haven't any sold Bibles. Anything. So the man in the shop says, "Look, you know, we we haven't sold a book a book here for yeah. years, right? A <laughs> book, a, a book, oh. not right." And he and he said, "Well, he said, all right, I'll tell you what, I'll help you out. You know, I'll buy a few." And it's just an absolute classic tale that he managed to shift a few of these. And then they keep writing to him saying, how are you getting on? And he travels right down to Andalusia. He meets all the gypsy people of Triana. He goes to convents. He goes all over the place. And the work that he brings back to us about what the flamenco people were like. And the, the weird thing is, he starts to sort of get very critical of them, you know, their behaviour, their drinking and all yeah. the rest of it, yeah? That's curious, actually. Yeah. Some, uh, finally, maybe an author who doesn't really... It's not really fascinated, in a way. Yeah. He's more critical more than cri fascinated. But, you know, I, I always wonder like, how nothing ever happened to him, you know, because yeah. cause he used to get quite cross with people that weren't following the life as he saw they should do. Um, you know, even when they helped him in... In convents and things, and took him in. He, <laughs> He's staring he, into their face. Yeah. Um, so his book, the, the Zincali, is incredible, right? Mm. Uh, if you want to know about. Yeah. What is uh, the title actually? It, it's called the Zincali. The Zincali. Yeah. Or the life of I think it's got a subtitle of the Gypsy People of. Mm. Mm. Um, there he will give you a massive picture of all the forges, the Gypsy iron forges of Triana. That were, there were so many across the whole of the, of the area opposite Seville, yeah? And he paints a wonderful picture of, of their daily life and everything. Of course, what you've got to realise is these things are seen now as books, yeah? But as I understand it, they, weren't, they were more a collection of all his letters that he sent back. Yeah to the Bible Society about of what, what was going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've all been put together. Um, but I think, you know, George Borrow, he's just... He really gets inside things, because can you imagine? Because he could speak uh, the language of the gypsy people. How you know? does he learn it, though? Well, this is... I've always wondered this, you know? But, it's, but he didn't know it before he went. Yes, I think he did. He did? He did, yeah. He was an, an, an unbelievable mm. English Linguist, scholar yeah. in everything. Yeah. 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 And uh, <clears throat> if you read the book, it's obviously to use this f English phrase, he didn't suffer fools gladly. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> and apparently he was a very elegant man. Mm. Um, 
and that seemed to help him quite a bit. So people helped him and he went about and he's provided us with a number of books. But obviously my favourite is the Sincali, but the Bible in Spain is, is quite a good one, you know, yeah. and they give you an insight into uh, flamenco in the middle and late 19th century. Yeah. Are there books that you are aware of today by, you know, English authors that in a way portray Andalusia yeah. as, as it is? Yeah, I think my favourite is a, is another man that I, I've had the privilege to meet, Chris Stewart. Yeah. Um, he's written a lot about it. He's a former guitarist um, and from Genesis and everything. Yeah. And he's written a book like um, Driving Over Lemons, yeah. which is a nice book. He talks about flamenco a lot in, yeah. in his books. Yeah. Yeah. And they are very readable books about the same sort of size as the Laurie Lee, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're nice, you know, and they're, because he left England to become a kind of a, a farmer in, in Andalusia, so of course he, he meets up with various uh, flamenco people yeah. because they're in his village. So that's, the, I would say that's probably the, uh, <clears throat> the best modern accounts to look yeah. at. So the fascination continues? Yes, very much so, very much so. Yeah, and what would you like to see maybe to end on a high note, what would you like to see written or talked about that you probably haven't come across these books? Something that, if you, if you would write that sort of account, what would you write? Well, it's interesting you say that because that's probably on the cards that I am going to write yeah. a, a book which will have all kinds of stories, um, including, I'll, I'll leave you on this note, The Man With One Arm. Well, that was another episode of our Flamenco Attitudes podcast dedicated on English authors writing about their adventures, their misadventures, and their love for Andalusia and the flamenco people. Until the next time, whether you listen to, play, or learn about flamenco, remember to always follow the beat. <laughs>